Before we go to verse 46, if you would just look at verse uh, 13. Uh, that little story of the uh, people were bringing little children to Jesus to have him touch them, but the disciples rebuked them. They said, don't, don't. They kind of built some barriers between Jesus, but then Jesus said, let the little children come to me. And now at the end of the chapter, in verse 46 and following, we're going to get another story about some barriers. Verse 46 of chapter 10 of Mark. Then they came to Jericho. As Jesus and his disciples, together with a large crowd, were leaving the city, a blind man, Bartimaeus, that is the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside begging. When he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him and told him to be quiet. But he shouted all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stopped and said, Call him. So they called to the blind man, Cheer up! On your feet, he's calling you. And throwing his cloak aside, he jumped to his feet and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked him. And the blind man said, Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. Immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus along the road. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Brothers and sisters in Christ, security is a big topic in our society. It became big news during the recent election campaign when Prime Minister Trudeau had to wear a bulletproof vest to an event in Mississauga and security had to be stepped up. It became big news that the Environment Minister Catherine McKenna had to have extra security because of harassments and threats. We're not used to that kind of thing in this country. We're used to having our politicians just walk freely among us. But increasingly, politicians and other celebrities are hard to get at. And sometimes it's understandable, of course. When thousands of people show up for a speech or a concert, there have to be barriers between the speaker and the crowd, between the audience and the celebrity. One never knows what kinds of disruptions are created by fans of a pop star or by someone who may happen to disagree with a politician. And so there's the usual security staff or the usual metal barricades to keep the politicians or the celebrity safe. But VIPs do get to meet people, either at special, uh, special events with personal invitations or, or during those famous walkabouts. And it's during a walkabout that a politician or celebrity approach just certain people. And so it is that after an event, it's often reported that so-and-so actually met face-to-face -face with the prime minister, met the queen, the movie, or the rock star. What did they say to you? I remember quite a number of years ago, that's already 10 years ago, when Barack Obama was inaugurated for the first time in January of 2009, an estimated 2 million people flooded the mall in Washington to witness the event. And later on, Obama did a walkabout. And can you imagine how exciting it must have been to be the one or the two or the three or the ten in that massive crowd to actually come face to face with the new president and be spoken to? 
Can you imagine that out of that whole crowd, you would be the one that he approached and spoke with? The commander of an honor guard activated because of a royal visit to Canada said that one of the thrills of his troops was the prospect of the queen stopping in front of them to talk with them. Out of the hundreds of troops that she reviews each year, it would be a special, incredible honor to be the one before whom the monarch would stop and talk. Now, those barriers set up to keep the Prime Minister, the Queen, or other VIPs from the crowds are, of course, important. They protect the individual from being crushed in the crowd. They create order and allow the individual to carry on and perform the task they came to perform. Yet many a so-called important person is generally inaccessible to the public. That's the way it is in our world. But when we turn to the Bible and to the story of of Bartimaeus, we discover again that in the kingdom of heaven, uh, things are different. The king of kings and the lord of lords is readily accessible. There's no need for security of any sort. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is readily available for those in need, for those who are lost, in spite of the barriers we may erect. In fact, he came precisely for those who are blind or in need. He came for the lost, for those who could not pass a security check. And he came to tear down the barriers that we've erected between people and God as well as the barriers that we erect between each other. The story of Bartimaeus is found in the Gospel according to Mark. And there are parallel accounts in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And as we read the three accounts, some discrepancies begin to surface between the stories, such as where exactly this healing took place. Was it the original Jericho or the newly built Jericho? Was Jesus leaving Jericho or coming to Jericho? And exactly how many blind men were there? Was it one or were there two? We're going to leave all those various explanations into these difficulties to the scholars who have studied and debated the matters. There's really ultimately no contradiction here in the messages presented by the various writers of the Gospels. There, There are different perspectives and different views. For this evening, I've picked the Gospel of Mark from which to take this passage because Mark comes at the story and tells the story from his own unique perspective. The miracle of the healing of the blind man Bartimaeus is the last of the miracles recorded by Mark in his Gospel. It took place at a time when Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem for the final events that would take place in his life on earth. The people figured that the time had finally come when Jesus was going to be proclaimed king and take his place on the throne, and so they marched on with their agenda. And the desire and the agenda of the people come to a climax in the next chapter of Mark, where we read the the story of the triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Jesus was aware of what was awaiting him once he would arrive in Jerusalem, so he also had an agenda as he moved from Jericho to Jerusalem. And so there they went, a large crowd of people moving as if one body, very deliberately traveling to Jerusalem, 
different agendas, but there they were traveling to Jerusalem. Nothing could or ought to stop them now. History was moving forward. Important things were going to take place. They had no time really to stop for anything or anyone, least of all a mere beggar. They had things to do, history to accomplish. And yet there was that beggar. And he was asking that they stop. And that's precisely what happened. They were interrupted. And they had to put things on hold for a while. What a bother. And it's no longer they, no wonder that they scolded the beggar and told him to be quiet. Now the interruption of the blind beggar was of special significance for a couple of reasons. One, it painted a sharp contrast between the blindness of the simple beggar and the blindness, in quotes, of the Jewish authorities and others who pursued the passage to Jerusalem. They were blind. They were shouting. Their cries were to change from shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord to crucify him, crucify him. So there's a contrast between the blindness, the physical blindness of the simple beggar and the spiritual blindness of the Jewish authorities and others. Secondly, if you know anything about Mark, then you'll know that one of the characteristics of the gospel is that he tells the story of Jesus in a succinct, vivid, fast-moving way, emphasizing the works or deeds of Jesus. Mark often uses the adverb immediately, when writing his story. Some suggest that's an indication of his relative youth and energy. I'm not sure about that, but anyway, the Gospel of Mark is a fast-moving account, one of constant movement and progression that was all considered to be, as he puts in chapter 1, verse 1, the beginning of the Gospel about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. This is just the beginning. Therefore, it's even more striking in this story of the healing of the blind man that we read in verse 49, these two words, Jesus stopped. In spite of the heavy agenda on both Jesus and the people's part, in spite of the fast forward moving movement of events, nonetheless, Jesus stopped. I suppose in some ways the good news of the scripture can be summed up in these two words. Jesus stopped. Of course, he stopped for a very good reason. While blind people were pushing an agenda, one who was blind was calling out to him. And it's precisely for such people that Jesus came. And so he stopped. As mentioned earlier, Jesus and the crowd surrounding him were leaving Jericho with a definite agenda for the future. Time was rolling on in the history of Israel, and it looked like finally the right person had arrived at the scene to help the people in their struggle against the Roman authorities. The Messiah, as people envisioned him to be a glorious king, appeared to be among them in the person of Jesus of Nazareth. And look at this, he's heading for Jerusalem. They had to keep going. Things were urgent. And then there was that blind beggar called Bartimaeus sitting there along the road. Now think of Bartimaeus for a moment. 
He was physically blind, unable to see. And as a result, in that society and age, unable to work. The only way such a person could support himself was to live off the pity of the people, and therefore they spent their time begging. And to find beggars outside the city gates was not at all uncommon in those days. People like Bartimaeus were people of little consequence to the rest of the population. They were, in effect, the lowest rung on the social ladder. And such poor people were no doubt people who were abused and kicked about, people who were an embarrassment to the country and to the government. The social welfare structures that exist in this country today did not exist in Israel at that time. And people like Bartimaeus received very little respect and honor in Jewish society. Their condition was wretched. But Bartimaeus, like almost everyone else in Israel, knew about this Jesus. This rabbi from Nazareth had become quite famous because of the miracles he had performed and because of the authority with which he preached. And when the blind beggar heard that all the commotion on the road was because this Jesus was passing by, he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Out of his wretched situation and condition, the helpless man called out. And when he addressed Jesus as the son of David, it's not known whether he understood fully that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. What is clear is that Bartimaeus saw a solution to his situation, and that solution lay in Jesus. And he was later commended for his faith. So one can just hear the beggar shout over the noise of the crowd passing by, Jesus, have mercy on me. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, you're my only hope. But then there's that crowd. And those who heard him didn't make things easy for him. They rebuked him, says Mark, and told him to be quiet. They set up barriers between the wretched man and the celebrity that they were escorting. It's the second time in the same chapter I pointed that out to you, that there's a barrier putting, put up that blocked the way to Jesus. In verse 13 and following, read the story of how the disciples stopped the little children from coming to the master. Now again, the barriers are erected. Why? Perhaps this poor man embarrassed the people. They wanted to spare Jesus from having to see him. Perhaps they felt that somehow Jesus was too good to be bothered with this poor man, which may explain why the disciples turned back the parents and the children too. Like, don't bother the master. He's got better things to do than hang around with kids and blind men. Now, while that may be a noble reason in their minds, it was very, very wrong. Since the poor or the weak or the insignificant never bothered Jesus, it's precisely for those he came. Perhaps the cries bothered their consciences and they felt guilty about such poverty and wretchedness in their country. Who knows? Guilt often would rather remain undisturbed. Maybe they had seen enough miracles. Their curiosity had been satisfied. Who knows? Perhaps, as mentioned earlier, they were too set on their own agendas that they allowed, and nothing was allowed to stand in the way or slow the progress. Things were happening that were much more important than this poor man. Hey, we're off to Jerusalem. We're going to make this guy king. So, man, be quiet. 
Stop with your noise. Stop calling for Jesus. He's not interested in you. Be quiet. Building barriers is not something unique to the people of Jesus' day. All down through history and even today, Christians have built barriers that have kept others from coming to Christ. If we think of the New Testament church, for example, we remember the arguments that were held about the Gentiles having to become Jews first, first before they could become members of the church. The council reported on in Acts 15 cleared up that matter. We put up doctrinal barriers. Unless you understand a certain passage of Scripture as we do, you really don't have any place in our midst. There are ethnic barriers. Unless you're Dutch or German or Scottish or whatever, you can't be part of our fellowship. Consequently, a number of churches have remained ethnically oriented. Unless you are of some particular social or financial standing, or unless you can pull your weight in the church, you don't really belong. Unless you behave like we do or unless you live your Christian life like we do, you can't really be fully part of our fellowship. And when we talk only and always about family and marriage and couples, where does that leave? Singles. When we're homophobic and always looking down to those who live on the streets or caught up in addictions, where does that leave, leave those who have issues, who struggle with issues of sexual orientation or who are homeless or who are struggling with addictions? Many of the barriers that we erect are not necessarily ones of concrete and steel, but they can be very subtle, driving people away from the fellowship if they somehow don't seem to fit in. Barriers are easy to erect, but sometimes very difficult to tear down. Bartimaeus refused to be put out by all the barriers constructed between him and the Lord. He shouted all the more loudly and more persistently, Son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stopped. He stopped. Right there in the middle of the road with lots of people around and with all agendas, all kinds of agendas on people's minds. He stopped, and this was not to be a royal walkabout. Nor was the blind beggar one who had received a special invitation to give the king flowers. Well, the master of all had heard a cry for help, and he stopped. He didn't say to Bartimaeus, oh, man, look, I'm kind of busy right now. You know, there's all kinds of people in Jerusalem waiting for me. I have to go and I have to do important things over there, so I really don't have time to chat or spend a lot of time with you. So forget it. See you another day. No, Jesus didn't say that, nor did he walk quickly past on the other side of the road like the priest or the Levite did when confronted by the victim of a robbery in the story of the Good Samaritan. No, Jesus stopped. And he said in verse 49, call him. The master called him. What mercy. What grace. Just like that, the barriers came crashing down. And suddenly things changed. Now the people who moments before told the blind beggar to be quiet encouraged Bartimaeus by telling him, he's calling you. The master is calling you. Do you hear his voice? And Bartimaeus, or Bartimaeus wasted no time. He threw all hindrances, all barriers aside, namely his cloak. He came to.
to Jesus. He was eager and excited that his only source of hope had stopped and was calling to him. And then Jesus made the man tell him in so many words what it is that he wanted. What do you want from me? Rabbi, I want to see. Go, said Jesus. Your faith has healed you. And from the original language and from the context and from how the blind man responded to the miracle, we can understand that the blind man was asking for more than just physical healing. He wanted to see in his soul to understand who Jesus was. And from Jesus' response, we can ascertain that the man was healed for more than physical blindness. He understood now spiritually that Jesus was the Messiah, the son of David. And the man now wished to be in the immediate presence of Jesus, and he followed him. This passage is striking for a number of reasons. First, as the last story about a healing in the Gospel of Mark, just before and just before all the events surrounding the death of Jesus, the blind man and his faith stands as a stark contrast to the crowds and the Jewish leadership. The blind man can be used as a picture to explain fallen man's condition outside of Christ. The man and we are blinded in sin. We need Jesus. Jesus is our only salvation and Jesus is light. Without him we are destitute. Without him we are lost. And Jesus came and he stopped. He gave his life for such people as Bartimaeus, for such people as you and me. He called out to us, and he called us to himself by grace and out of love. Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us or lavished upon us that we should be called the children of God. Bartimaeus understood and received his sight. The rest of the crowd continued with their agenda, a blind agenda, which led them to scream, crucify him, away with him, away with this man called Jesus. Unless Jesus gives you sight, you cannot see. So as we go on with our Christian living, let's do with open eyes, eyes focused on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Without such vision and such faith, we will fall. And we will fail. Secondly, we ought to take note of those barriers that were thrown up before Bartimaeus, which tried to keep him from coming in contact with the Lord. So we need to be sensitive to the barriers that we might erect before others as we're involved in the work of the Lord. We don't have a queen or a prime minister to protect. We're not an ethnic social club. We're not an exclusive group of people or anything of the sort. Rather, we're part of that whole body of Christ whose aim is to glorify his name and to draw ever nearer to him. And the more that are involved in that, the merrier, so to speak. And therefore, if there are any barriers erected, we better be busy taking them down. Jesus did. And it's a good thing that he did, 
for you and I would be lost forever. And finally, while the rest of the crowd wanted to ignore the blind beggar, Jesus stopped. So let's not so get so caught up in what we are doing in our own agendas and forget the needy soul in the corner. Jesus didn't. And it's a good thing he didn't forget the needy soul in the corner because if he would have, then you and I would have been lost eternally. Ministry must always be people-sensitive or it fails. Jesus, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the King of all who we have talked about today, stopped for one in need. That's the gospel. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Amen. Oh, Lord God, we thank you for this story of Bartimaeus. We thank you, oh, Lord, as the king that you stopped for one, but that you stopped for so many more who were blind and lost in sin and you gave sight and allowed us to see you and Lord we pray that in the midst of our busyness in the midst of our agendas in the midst of all the things that we got going on in life that we may remember that as you stopped for us we too need to stop for others who are in need and so make us a sensitive people, we pray, recognizing that because of your gift to us, we need to pass that gift on to others. Lord, we praise you for the salvation that you have given to us in Christ. We praise you that you have called us to be your people by grace. Help us to respond in ways that bring more into that kingdom and in ways in which we truly reflect the king who stopped for us. To you be the glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.